Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. Get great fall savings on all your home care and entertaining needs during the fall home care event at Safeway. Head into Safeway and get deals on products like Clorox disinfecting wipes, Swiffer wet mopping cloths, Lysol all-purpose cleaner, Swiffer wet jet mopping pads, Mr. Clean multi-surface cleaner, or Lysol power toilet bowl cleaner. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local store for more details. Offers expire October 31st. Restriction supply promotions may vary. Part of me really wants to start this particular episode with a yeehaw, but I don't do yeehaws very well. Like I, I, was I guess that's you were a... going to sing Yankee Doodle Dandy for us. As we <laughs> no, I'm not going to inflict that on people. I do not have a yodeling singing voice at I all. Did, I just want a recording of it so I can hold it over <laughs> all time. I can blackmail you into whatever I want. I will release this to everyone you love. Yeah. No, it, look, people who know me have suffered enough. Um, Fair yeah. enough. Welcome to another episode of Awards Don't Matter. Uh, we are talking about Yankee Doodle Dandy. My name is Andrew, and my, I'm joined by uh, that, that adult voice that you hear is uh, my co-host, Dave. Um, yeah. And, yeah, From America, the Yankee Doodle Dandy of this podcast, obviously. <laughs> yeah, now I want to, like, you know, behind the scenes kind of stuff. Um, you originally sent me a text saying, I think we should just do one episode this time around. And then you watch Yankee Doodle Dandy, and I believe your text message was something along the lines of, I guess we can do Yankee Doodle Dandy. So, <laughs> oh, we can do Yankee Doodle Dandy if you like. Yes. And I said, such reluctance there. So, why were you so reluctant to be talking about um, a film that celebrates America, Dave? Uh, America fucking sucks, that's why. <laughs> um, so, I think it was like two twofold. So, first of all, like I had... You know, I didn't know anything about this movie. I just knew the title. I know the song, of course. Um, and I was like, well, that sounds like it's going to be fucking terrible. Even though it's on, like, all these best of lists, I was like, eh, and James Cagney singing and dancing? I don't know. So, sight unseen, I was like, let's just do Mrs. Miniver. And then I watched this and Mrs. Miniver back to back, and I was like, okay, we got to do more than just Mrs. Miniver, because I'm not going to have enough to say about that movie maybe i could talk more about yankee doodle dandy so that's that's where that came from yeah i really like this film a lot and i'm genuinely surprised why uh, how i like this i don't know like you going into it i was like this sounds stupid i knew the song yankee doodle dandy but it just sounds so like it sounds uh childlike in a way yes like yes. it sounds yes. and, and i don't say that to diminish child films kid films i, um, I do diminish yeah. <laughs> them they're, they're shit but i'm just like I, I think that i'd always uh steer clear of it because of the fact that i was yeah. like all right you know is this going to be chitty chitty bang bang but with james cagney well it's not 
It's not. It's a surprisingly adult there kind is, of. There is no flying car in this. That is true. No, but it maybe not... that might have made it even better, and maybe it would have won then. <laughs> yeah, that's what the Academy was looking for. <laughs> yeah, this is look. This is about George M. Cohan, uh, who's played by James Cagney. And my experience with James Cagney has been all of those gangster films. So just like you, I was a bit like singing and dancing James Cagney. Is this going to work? Is it going to do anything at all? Oh, he won Best Actor. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it might do. And sure as shit, like he is bloody good in this. He sings and dances like no other. And not only that, he imitates, from what I was reading, he imitates the style of Cohan's um, sort of skew if body skew if where he's like his body is at like you know a certain angle as he dances he does that so darn well um yeah i love this film a lot uh even though everything that i said about mrs miniver applies to this film that is propaganda it is um one of the characters his his beautiful loving wife in this particular film uh who's so wonderfully presented here is actually an amalgamation of uh, Cohen's two wives, so she didn't and neither of them exist. have her name. Neither <laughs> no. of them have the name. Of the <laughs> Which I was just like when I did all of this reading afterwards, and I get so shitty. Like you know, when we're talking about um, life of Emil Zola, I'm like, oh, I'm so shitty about the fact that they omitted uh, all of this other stuff that would have actually made the story a little bit more fleshed out and important. And especially if I'm coming to this particular narrative. Um, you know, not knowing anything about this particular narrative of Cohan. Logically, I want to get the truth. But on the same hand, this is done with such gusto and heart and and also the support of Cohan himself as well. So he's clearly a bit like, all right, you know, you can fudge my life a little bit as long as the truth and the um, the the truth within the story itself feels genuine and feels honest. And I right. think that's what I like about this film so much. Mm. It feels genuine and honest. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about James Cagney for a second. Um, yeah. He's so good. <laughs> I, I, I'm still stunned by this performance. Um, like you, my only connection to Jimmy Cagney is either like really bad um, uh, impressions of him by comedians, you know, the You Dirty Rat and all that good stuff, um, and watching these gangster movies. So I was like... And this is not in any way that kind of role. Um, so I was definitely concerned as I as I pressed play on this. But like, man, he won me over like immediately. Like as soon as he shows up, you're just just like so taken by him. He's like he's just such a wonderful, warm presence in this movie. Um, and the thing I loved most about it, and this sounds like an underhanded compliment, but I promise you that it's not, is that they don't. They don't have him belt out out ballads in this. It's like half singing, half speaking, all attitude, and it really, really works. And it kind of pulls you along. I think I love musicals, but I think sometimes I think one of the things that keeps people distant from from musicals is we can't relate to someone who can sing at that register and sing that well. And it feels like, okay, this is no longer real, real. Um, whereas this feels like a real man. It feels like a real person. And his dancing is incredible. Just a wow performance all the way through. And I find it really interesting because I think this movie has all the faults that I complained of of the rest of the nominees of this year. It is aggressively nice. 
It has this very little conflict that isn't solved immediately. Um, and yet, I'm okay with it in this movie. It like it it it's because it, this movie has a kind of propulsion to it. It's always pushing itself forward, and a lot of it has helped that it's like like the narrative is set up is kind of bookended by present day, um, right? And it doesn't you don't really understand where the timeline is until the end of the movie but it gives it this forward momentum like we've got to get back to that moment we know we got to get get back to that so even if there's lulls in the narrative you're still going to be like okay but we're still headed somewhere where a lot of these other movies you're like i don't know where we're headed we're headed and i like, don't really care like this is just uh. but but yankee doodle dandy is not like that at all like it is and I'm glad I know anything about this man uh, walking into this movie because I think it really would have colored my experience of it. And I did like a tiny bit of research and then I just stopped. I was like, I don't you know what? I don't need to know. Like, I'm I'm just going to leave this pure in my mind. Like, it, it doesn't affect anyone who's alive right now. So it's fine. Let's just go with this. And. You know, there's so many, like, I talk about it being nice, nice, and in conflict. Like, one of the biggest conflicts in the movie, for, like, nine seconds, is he, like, writes this song for his wife, and then gives it to, to this superstar to oh, play yeah. it. And she, and her reaction is like, yeah, that's okay. Everything's yeah. good. That's she's sweet. like, I knew you were going to do that anyway. Like, Right, and I'm like, like that's <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, the conflict with his family and with his parents leaving the business. And then, like, yeah, that's okay, though. Like, the whole movie is like that, where it's like a conflict happens, and then it's just, like, wrapped up at the snap of your fingers. And you're like, oh, I guess we're going on to the to the next thing now, I guess. Like, but it's so genuine that, like, it's it's really hard for me to, like, be critical of it because it, like, wears its heart on its sleeve so clearly. And it's just like, I don't know, how can you be mad at this guy? Like, it's just like, you can't, you can't hold that anger in and like, yeah, there's, yeah, there is propaganda here, but like, I think it's like weirdly handled very well, like, because it, it knows what it is. Right. And it never, I don't feel like at least it ever gets preachy or Mrs. Miniver. I mean, legitimately like gets preachy with a priest. Like it is just so on the nose. And this is just like. Yeah, I'm going to give you my message. But you know what, guys? Let's have a good time. And you do. Like, you get swept up in it. But I think the the preachiness of this story or, or of Cohan's story comes from his music. And it comes from, you know, I think part of the reason why this film exists is because of his, uh, the Congressional Medal of Honor that he gets, which is that, you know, that particular... Um, Basically, the, the motif that carries the story is you're saying that it's that goal that we're working towards. And I think of something like The Great Zigfield, which is missing that kind of purpose, that reason for existing, other yeah. than being a three-hour bloated mess of, how good was this guy? Whereas this at least is like, <laughs> hey, Cohen made some great music and he was earnest and honest and all this kind of stuff, but he also did it in a nationalistic kind of manner. And one of the things which I've written down is that I would, what I, what surprised me the most about Yankee Doodle Dandy is that it made me feel good about America again. And mm. that's, that's a genuine surprise because it's hard to do. It's hard to do. <laughs> and a lot of the patriotism and the, you know, stars and stripes and, you know, we want you kind of thing uh, is here in this particular film. And that's a lot of the stuff that certainly as a foreigner, I look at America and go, Oh, just turn it down a notch guys. Like, 
You don't have to love yeah, your flag agreed. that much. Like it's just a flag, you know, like it's, um, mm-hmm. but it's there, but it's done in a passionate sweeping up with everybody manner. Uh, it sweeps up the whole entire nation. Whereas nowadays it feels like I am waving the American flag and it is a, an assault an attack on everybody who disagrees with me because I, you know, I stand for freedom, that kind of thing. That's that's kind of the, sure, the sure. message I get from America. But this doesn't have that. It's like it's a very unifying narrative. Yeah, yeah. And I th- I think that what it comes down to is that there is an honesty there in those performances, an honesty in Cagney, an honesty in Joan Leslie, who plays Mary, his his wife. And there is a respect and a, a passion for each other. There's a genuine, yeah. like, a, you know, one of the films that we talked about, The Thin Man, where you can tell that these two people genuinely love each other. They genuinely yep. want to spend time with each other. And every time that George and Mary are together, you feel that she loves what he does. He loves her undyingly. And, you know, there is just this wonderful compassion and, and beauty and love for each other. And that extends to his country. That's why he writes those songs. It extends to... You know, the stage, that's why he sings those songs and, and unites everybody. He is just, he's a showman in the purest sense of the word. Um, right. I, I think that is that is why this is an enduring classic for me. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it makes sense. Uh, it is, you know, we talk about, we will talk about Michael Curtis in the future. Uh, literally the next episode, he won yeah, the director yeah. for Casablanca, which to me, as great as Casablanca is, it it partially feels like an apology for, look, sorry, Michael, we should have probably given it to you for Yankee Doodle Dandy too. Mm. <laughs> um, but he is such a, a a great director in the manner that he is able to tie everything together. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I think what I want to talk about is like, so endings are really hard. Mm, right mm. making a good ending to a movie especially a movie like this frankly because it is in a way like despite the the bookends of this movie kind of a meandering movie it's like so then this happens and then some time passes and now i'm doing this and isn't this fun and here's this little song to distract you so you don't notice that this this movie has no no narrative focus like we're just gonna move forward but man the ending of this movie really works um so like you get you get the Congressional Medal of Honor, you get the repetition of of the the kind of old line, you know, my my father thanks you, my mother thanks you, and I thank you, and it's like and there's tears in his eyes, and it's like oh my god, like the rest of the performance is really good and really fun, but there are very few moments of like emotional power in that performance, but it it's like it's all funneled to this one moment, and you're just like wow, like this really hits. And it really it explains the meandering nature of the movie. Right. It is all about him and how he got to this moment. Right. And then the the ending after that with the over there moment where, you know, the they're marching through the street and singing over there. And the guy doesn't recognize he doesn't know Kohan. And he says, hey, you're not singing. You should sing with us. And then, like, you see him joining in. And it's just like such a wonderful moment. And, you, and it and it brings back, you know, his creation. And here it is out in the world.
I do? Well, I don't hear anything. And it's like, oh my God, what a perfect, like, as I'm watching this movie, I'm like, you know, 90% through it. And I'm like, how do you wrap this up? Like, there's no way that this is going to be satisfying because all conflicts just get solved really quickly and everybody's kind of happy and it's fine, fine, fine. And then you get the moment of like the young, the youngsters not knowing who he is and him kind of trying to go back and remember what it's like. And I'm like, how do you do this? How do you get to a point where the credits credits are going to roll? And then like magic, those two scenes happen. And it's interesting because those two scenes can almost happen at any point. And then the movie ends and it's great. Right. It just like, it solidifies everything that we've been doing. And like, you know, Jimmy Cagney, like singing that at all of his heart. Right. Cause a lot of it, a lot of his singing and dancing is so of course, performative and presentational throughout the rest of the movie. And that's maybe the one moment where it's not, where he's really feeling what everyone else is feeling. And he is a part of it. He is a part of structure. He is a part of that passion going out into the world. And it's just like, yeah, there's his moment. We've been waiting for this. Like you've been waiting for it as an audience and you didn't even know you were. And that is what a great ending does where it ends in such a perfect way, way that you're like, yes, this is what it was supposed to be. And I could not have told you that five minutes ago. It is not predictable. It's not, it just is right. And you feel it in your bones. Like you're just like, yeah, you hit it, you know? And there's very few movies like that, that really, it's one of, one of, one of my favorite endings of any movie I've ever seen. Um, like it's a brilliant it ending. Yeah. I, I think part of why that works as well is because, you know, one of the things that artists or authors or directors talk about is that once they've made something and they've released it out into the world, it's no longer theirs. You know, they, mm-hmm. they put it out there and that's it. It's no longer theirs. And I think this is a wonderful personification of that because he's written this song over there and now the military parade is singing it. And it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if people recognize him or not. The, nope. the, the author of the song becomes redundant. Uh, because yeah. the, the work is, is what matters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that I think is what it's what kind of strengthens Yankee Doodle Dandy as well. Because it doesn't matter if there's you know fictionalization of his life. There's it doesn't matter if there's fudging of the truth, because the honesty and the purpose and the reason behind his singing and dancing is there, you know, and the, mm-hmm. the strength of his music is there, and and that's really all that matters. It's the story of his music, not really the story of Cohan himself. Yeah. And that's beautiful. Um, one of the things I loved was that the whole Yankee Doodle Dandy sequence. Like I, I never actually listened to the song properly before. So I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Cause what you it was hear the about. chorus and you're like, this is ridiculous. Let's move yeah. on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's enduring. And, and I think that's the thing is the way that it's permeated into culture. Um, mm-hmm. That even if you've never heard it before in its entirety or the original song, you know, that that chorus you know the refrain there so immediately then, in your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we see this sequence and it's so wonderful you know yeah, it's it about was... this guy who wants to ride a horse and it's just like oh shit that's what the song's about okay cool <laughs> like right. it's right. nice 
Yeah. So for you, were there were there any moments maybe early on in the movie where you felt like, oh, I don't know. Like for me, it's like the like whole I was born on the Fourth of July thing. Like I was like I was like, oh, we are really hitting the fucking Yankee stuff hard in this movie. But it's like, but See, the they even of- fudge his birthday. He wasn't even born on the Fourth of July. <laughs> like- no, nope. Nope, nope. But it makes him a Yankee Doodle Dandy, Andrew. See? It's like, and it's, it's, but when it happens, like, and this is the very beginning of the movie, like, this is within the first five, ten minutes, and I had this moment of, oh, no. Like, (laughs) oh, God, this is going to be so painful. And and I think mainly because of Cagney, it's not. He, He can keep nonsense for two hours in this movie. Like, like I said, there's not, there's not these big dramatic moments, right? Except for the Congressional Medal of Honor. But in some ways, it should not work. This movie should not work, and it's very, very strange to does because in a lot of ways, that scene comes absolutely out of nowhere. Other than the fact that we prefaced it with the very beginning of the movie that we know this is happening, in terms of the narrative, it totally comes out of nowhere, and you're like, oh, I guess we're here now. And yet, when that line, hit, line hits, it is so powerful, and you're like, and it's I love when movies do this because so many movies, when a moment is emotional, I can track it. Right. Because I've watched enough movies at this point. I've watched hundreds of movies at this point. So you could be like, OK, they they they, they really clue here in minute seven and then minute 23, they reinforced it. And then at the end of the movie, yeah, and this really works. Right. But sometimes moments that shouldn't work do. Right. And this is one of those where you're like, yeah, nothing about this should work. This should work. And here we are. And and for me also, there's something about musicals that really get me. Like, I love a good musical, man. Like, it just really, really works for me. And I think for me, it's because um, music ties into emotions really and really intense for me. Like, if someone sings about something sad or about something happy, I feel that feeling so much deeper. Um, so, like, I'll watch a musical and I'll just be like on the verge of emotional outbursts at all moments, right? Because it just really hooks into that human thing that we react to song, we react to music. So, I think maybe that has something to do with it. So, when he, like, you know, drops down and says this line that is a line he has said a hundred times in his life. It means so much more because he's leaving the singing and dancing behind for a minute. Like even when he has that moment where he tries to go to war, he's still performing, right? He's still singing and dancing, going, look at what I can do. You can bring me into the army. I can dance. I can do this. Can any of your soldiers do this? It's still a big performance. And that end, those two endings, I think are the only moments in the movie, maybe besides when he is professing his love to his wife, that it's not a performance. And that means something in a movie like this. Yeah, I agree. I think that, I think, you know, leading back to what you're asking about, I didn't, I didn't expect it to, to be this way. Like it is so distinctly patriotic. And I started watching the Pride of the Yankees and And I gave it, I gave it five minutes and I was like, there is a, a, you know, there, there is a, there is a, just a feeling of that particular film that is like so it's saccharine. And so, yes, yes, I agree. And it doesn't know that it is as well because it thinks that it's being an honest narrative. Whereas I think that with this, it knows that it's saccharine. It knows that it's what it's trying to do. It, It is fully aware of all of that. But I want to, I want to, 
push back at something, though. I think that Cagney, while he is great, I think the emotionality, because we don't get to see Cagney properly for a few minutes, you know, his parents, Walter Houston in particular, I think, carries so much of the heart of this particular narrative, and especially as this travelling troop of, of people, the, the four Cohans who are basically going out and entertaining people, these two kids, and sure, there's a little bit of a cringeworthy moment, literally the only moment that stopped this from being a five-star film, uh, putting it as a four-and-a-half-star film, was this blink-and-you-miss-it moment where the whole entire family walks out on stage in blackface, and they're like, oh, no, but that happened, you know, that that is the time, and stuff like that. They don't lean into it, you know. It, it there is it, it's something that happened. Okay, as terrible it is, it's there. But then that family aspect of it, the Cohan family, is what I think makes this such a beautiful thing because it is he's doing it because he knows that his family is talented, and you know there is a warmth and there is a joy to seeing them out on the stage and entertaining and dancing and all this kind of stuff. And one of the early moments which I really like was the way that young George Cohan pushes back against people and they're like, no, people are coming to see me and all this kind of stuff. And that young kid does a really good Cagney impersonation as well. He does. He's like, yeah. yeah. He's like, you know, I don't think you understand. And that's, I think that leans into the older Cohan's understanding and um, recognition that as a young boy, he may be threatened his family's uh, prosperity and, you know, the, the, the possibility of them being big. And that's him walking away from everything and saying, you know, making up a lie and saying, oh, no, I've been signed up for this. And look, I'm sorry, guys, you're going to have to like when he hears that conversation at the dinner table and they're all like, look, George is really screwing things up for you. you got to do something about that. And he's like, he just comes up with something on the moment. He's like, I'm going to walk away from this and tell them a lie that I have a job to walk to and then effectively goes and brings that into fruition. Whether it's the truth or not, it really doesn't matter because of that honesty, because of that earnestness. And it shows what kind of character Cohan is and it shows what kind of family the Cohans are. And that in itself is just, it it doesn't matter if they're, if this is how they were actual as actual people in real life. It really doesn't matter because these are fictionalized versions and the the characters that are on screen, the real fictional characters like Mary, for example, carry so much truth and heart that you kind of, they feel aspirational. And that's, that's what, that's what lingers for me. Um, Sure. You talk about musicals in a way, and one of the best musicals of this year, where, you know, in 2021, we're getting a lot of musicals, is In the Heights. And Five Stars, my favorite movie this year. It's great. It's very good. And I it's think. Better that, than Yankee Doodle Dandy. Oh, I don't know about that. Um, I'll be watching, I'll be rewatching Yankee Doodle Dandy before I rewatch In the Heights. I really enjoyed In the Heights, though. I think I've but, watched that three times already, so yeah. we're. <laughs> which is fine. It's fine. Yeah. But I, I'm curious because, you know, we. As we have watched these early films, we're in the 15th Best Picture and all this kind of stuff, um, there have been a plentiful amount of, plentiful amount, a lot of films that are about these showmen, <laughs> you know, these these stage people, um, George Cohan, the great Ziegfeld and things like that. And, you know, there is a real respect for people, the, the songwriters and the people of the stage. Do you think we'll eventually get one from Lin-Manuel Miranda? Like, it seems an inevitability, surely. Mm, that's a good question it's really lin-manuel um it's really interesting because there's been like a weird like backlash against yeah, that I know. because yeah 
Because I yeah. think he's been so in the public eye and so popular, and like I, I want no part of that backlash because I, I legitimately think he's a genius. Like I, the the things that he comes up with, the things that he does, incredible. Like I, I love, I love, I love his work. So I'm not the person who's going to be like, oh, he's obnoxious. Of course he's obnoxious. Like anyone that talented and that successful is going to be obnoxious. That's just that just comes with the territory, man. You think mm. Andrew Lloyd Webber is a fucking prince among men? Like he's probably a total jackass. And that and that's fine. Um, you've earned the right to be kind of kind of a dick when you are that good at something. I wonder, yes, when you write cats, you can be whatever kind of person oh, you want. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, that's the one. That's the one. Uh, I I would only, would only say that there won't be probably just because he'll write it himself. Like yeah. I think he'll probably he'll probably write the story of his own life. But that, but that actually brings me to a question I have for you, Andrew. So. You have gone on and on and on about this episode about how it doesn't matter if this is a true story. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. Because it's this so is good. What Bohan was like, oh, so is that? I'm wondering what the line is because there have been other movies you've covered on here that are biopics, right? And you're like, this is nonsense. That's not what that person was really like. How dare they lie to lie to us? How dare they not include this this bit? Um, so is it just like the quality of the movie that changes it, or is there some dividing line line between? entertainer and like politician and like what is the what's the line for you i'm curious first of all i want to say fuck you for holding me to account for what i've been saying in the past <laughs> oh dear I. uh secondly no i think it i think all right specifically let's talk about um life of emil zola i think when it comes to that is what i was referencing yeah, so. I, I think that you know when you when you're talking about something so pointed as you know, hatred of, of Jewish people and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something that I would like to know about somebody, you know, in in a, to- a film called The Life of Emil Zola. I think that when it comes to something like Yankee Doodle Dandy, as, as I mentioned before, this is less about, sure, it is about Cohan's life, but it is about his music and mm-hmm. the legacy of his music and what his music does to people. And... I don't mind that they fudge the truth in this because it is not it's it's not about him being a revolution or anything like that him changing the world which is effectively Emile Zola was it's about something that changed France and changed things that went on um I think there is a there is a line and it's hard to kind of pinpoint exactly what it is because of the fact that it's you know there are there are stories that there are films that are about true stories that do add in fictionalized elements you know braveheart for example we'll eventually get to that but like that's got like that that's got characters who weren't even alive in the same time in in scenes together and it's like okay but is that does that take away from the emotionality within the film itself if there is trying to reach some kind of authenticity about the narrative that they're telling is it enough? Well, for me, it feels like it's enough that they have reached the emotionality of what they're intending to do. Mm. I don't think the life of Emil Zola managed to do that at all. I think right. that Yankee Doodle Dandy does. And again, I haven't looked deeply into Cohen's life. If he was an abuser or something like that, then you know things might change. But there is a an honesty and a truth to his songs. Uh, to Cagney's performance as him and coming back to that aspect, the familial aspect of this, 
Whereas something like Emil Zola is just feels so, you know, it feels like it is full of self-importance because mm-hmm. oh, this thing happened and we must detail it and it's, you know, get it documented and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, okay. Whereas Yankee Doodle Dandy feels like, hey guys, come around, gather around the campfire. Let me tell you this story. You know, it's, yeah. it's casual. Yeah. You know, it feels casual. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I. Th- I mean, I. I definitely agree with what you're saying. I think when a movie about a real person is so self-serious and mm. is making a very dramatic point, then I think you have a responsibility to be truthful about who that person was. Um, like, if you're going to talk about mistreatment of groups of people, um, and then you're skipping over stuff about that person's life or about what was going on at the time, then it feels very like intellectually and artistically dishonest. Yeah. Um, whereas a movie like this is really just about having a good time and, you know, a life where it's all to the theater, to our enjoyment. So it's not really about like, I mean, it's not like you're making a movie about Malcolm X or, you know, like, or JFK, like where it's like, it has this huge impact on world events and blah, blah, blah. Um, it's just about connection. And love and family and marriage and all these wonderful things. So, like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of, I'm mostly just giving you shit um, by <laughs> calling you out on the, on the on the carpet like this. But, but yeah, I think there is a difference. And I, but I think it's a, it's such a subtle difference that sometimes it can be hard to pinpoint. Like, why is dishonesty okay here, but not okay here? And I think dishonesty in movies that are self serious, I think, can. Re- really do some damage mm. um and dishonesty in the life of a performer you know that's part of being a performer yeah. there's some dishonesty in that you know in the way you present yourself so i didn't even after i found out things about him that like oh this isn't quite what they showed like uh, who cares i had a good time you know i had i had a blast watching this and that's and that's what this movie was designed for it was designed to make you happy it was not designed to like make you think about your life and where the country was at the time it was designed to feel light and it does that very well yeah i think of something like shirley which came out last year i think it was and that is a very self-serious film um but and it's completely fictionalized um in in a lot of ways but it Mm -hmm. it it evokes who shirley jackson was as a person by all accounts um it evokes who her husband was as a person and it evokes what her work was and i think while I don't love that film as much as other people do, I respect it a lot because of the manner that it works as an echo of who Shirley Jackson was as a person. Much in the same way that Yankee Doodle Dandy works as an echo of Cohan as a person. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that, you know, Emil Zola feels like an echo of anything. You know, I don't think that it, it, it just feels like a presentation of this happened, we've got to get it on film. And it just happened right. to win Best Picture. Um Yeah. And yeah. so it, I think it comes down to authenticity. You know, it comes down to um, a truth, an emotional truth. And that, that varies from person to person. I know that for some people, maybe the patriotism that is in Yankee Doodle Dandy might be too much. You know, yeah. it, it might be so like, oh, God, born on the 4th of July. Oh, God, you know, Stars and Stripes and stuff like that. It's but a lot. It's a lot. It yep. is. Um, but I enjoyed it. You know, and I yep. think I think this is a really important film in a lot of ways because of all those aspects, because there is so much um, life to it. And it comes back to one of the early things that I said, it is that 
there are manners and ways of loving a country or learning to enjoy the existence of a country. And, you know, we're in the 21st century. No modern country has, you know, clean hands or anything. You know, they they all have their own turmoils and things like that. So, you know, we can look at different countries and go, well, that's nice, but but this. And, you know, certainly Mm -hmm. America has more um, crosses on its ledger than it should do. But mm-hmm. I enjoyed this because it made me remember why, as a kid, like, growing up, I always wanted to go to Dallas. Don't know why I wanted to go to Dallas, mm-hmm. you know, but I always wanted to go to Dallas for some reason. It just seemed like the place to be. Everything seemed bigger and larger than life in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And Yankee Doodle Nandy kind of captured that feeling of, like, mm. can you imagine America? What a country. What a fantastic mm-hmm. place. Anything is possible there. And mm-hmm. that's that's what this film captured for me. And in the same manner that In the Heights captured that for me, because I think that that is a film that is equally patriotic, but from a different strain of patriotism, which is why I brought up Lin-Manuel Miranda earlier, because I think, I think that particular film feels very similar to this, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, where it, there is an authenticity. Except it's better. <laughs> Except it's better. That's the only difference. Sure, yes. sure. It's got its problems, but, you know, there is... Just not. I disagree. Well, no, but in the sense, I mean, in the sense that there is, it doesn't uh, accurately represent the the area that you know the people that live in that area. Sure. You know, and that's a huge discussion that's been online, and I'm grateful that it existed online because, fuck, as an Australian, I would watch that film and go, cool, that is what that area of New York looks like, Um, but it's not. (laughs) So you know but the emotional truth that that film carries and it sings and yeah. yeah. It sings. He says, nice, nice. <laughs> it just rolled off my tongue. It's like, <laughs> yeah. So does this film matter then Dave, even though you think that in the Heights is better while we're comparing this film, that's 70 years older than. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it does matter. I think it, um, I, it's really uplifting to me that this is more remembered uh, than Mrs. Miniver. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's like, hey, awards don't matter. Yeah. Like the like the title of our show. Oh. Uh, sometimes the <laughs> sometimes the greatness just shines through. Like this is a movie that's on like the AFI top ten um, of American films ever made. Um, and like, would I put it on that list? No. But it's very good. Um, so, yeah, this one definitely matters. And it also, like, I think our discussion really hammered home the idea that, like, you know, you not all biopics are the same and they don't all have to operate by the same rules. And I think it's important to remember that um, yeah. with any kind of genre. So, yeah, it definitely matters. I would agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. I think it matters a lot. Um yeah, I think it's a really wonderful film. And, you know, I'm, it makes me, like, I, we've, when I think about William Wyler as a director, I'm like, I forget that he exists, you know, sometimes. Because the discussion so much about uh, this particular era is often not about those kinds of directors. You know, they're, right. they're the subtle kind of directors. Um, much in the but same way... he keeps way that, coming up, he, he? certainly like, keeps he, on coming up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Much in the same way that Michael Curtis uh, is like... He directed one of the greatest films of all time, Casablanca, which we're going to be discussing in the next episode. What is that? No, I can't. Uh, yeah. I can't recall that movie. 
Is and that it, known? Is that a well-known movie that we're covering next time? No, which is why this podcast exists to elevate those smaller films that nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> yes, like Casablanca. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Love it. And but it's it, but it is also to elevate like Yankee Doodle Dandy and and Casablanca is like and of course Mildred Pierce as well later on. I I just it's it highlights how important these kinds of directors are, and I just wish that the conversation. You know, we've talked about Ninochka as well. Like, and I continually kind of raise the question of like why that film isn't more widely recognized. Uh, and celebrated. That should be on the AFI's top list. Exactly. That, that. But that's why we do this thing is to kind of highlight why these films are important. Um, and I'm excited Definitely. to be able to dig into Casablanca again. I've only seen it the once. You know? I, mean, I, I probably haven't seen that in 20 years, yeah. uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting to rewatch. I'm I'm excited for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit disappointed that we're we will be recording it earlier, but in October here in Perth we have a film double like we have these film doubles that happen on Monday nights, and one of the upcoming film doubles is Casablanca and Gaslight, which seems oh, wow. like a really good double. Um, yeah. I think I'll go to it anyway, even though I'll be seeing Casablanca very soon. Um, but yeah, that's what we'll be doing next. Um, I'm excited for it, uh, to say yeah. the least. So yeah, where can people find you online as well? Yeah, just uh, find me on Twitter, um, at Darn That Dave, if you want to hear any of my other 1,900 other podcasts or read my work on In Session Film. I will be posting them all on that Twitter site, so at Darn That Dave. Cool. This does feel like I was looking through your, your podcast universe the other day um, as I was like looking and seeing what else I should be listening to because, you know, doing a podcast with Dave is like, it's not enough. It's not enough. I need to, I need to know who my competition is. These other, these other people that you're talking with. And my then other I, podcast boyfriends. Yes. Yeah, is. exactly. <laughs> and then I realized, no, I, I, I should not be seeing them as competition. I should be seeing them as brethren. We're part of the Dave universe the day right. podcast That's universe right. yeah, yeah. I, like it. I like it excellent and i and then i imagine somebody trying to do like a lost timeline of of where things oh pop up and stuff like that but nonetheless yeah look i i do this podcast because i enjoy talking to dave about films and i highly recommend uh listening to his other shows um but if you want to listen to more of us awards don't matter uh and listen to previous episodes at thecurb.com.au all right guys we'll see you on the next episode I'm 18, I sing and I dance, and I'm going to New York. Should I? Oh, Mr. Cohen, you're so old and so experienced in the theater, so fatherly. <laughs> Do you think it's wise? I mean, my being 18, singing and dancing, going to New York? Well, <clears throat> that's very wise. I mean, being 18 is very wise. And as for New York, the four Cohans open there this fall with their new show, with a new cyclorama and two carloads of scenery. Really? When are you leaving here? Tomorrow night, right after the show. Oh, I can't leave till Wednesday. Graduate from high school Tuesday. Oh, that's too bad. Oh, oh Georgie, excuse me. You haven't forgotten we have a date tonight, have you? Oh, no, 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 of course not. We're going roller skating. Roller skating on a night like this? Why, there's a moon out. I'll be ready in five minutes. <laughs> Pipperino, isn't she? Yes. Is she your daughter? No, I'm not married. Your niece, perhaps. Oh, she's just a kid with the show. We've been dating. Oh, he 
Isn't she a little too young for you? Oh, no, she's getting along in years. She's 17. Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply.